Hi, and welcome to Sippin' Soma, the podcast where I interview inspirational people who are connecting, collaborating, and contributing to their communities. You'll learn about the people, businesses, and organizations in South Orange, Maplewood, and the surrounding towns. Thank you for following us on Instagram, Facebook, or checking out the podcast wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Enjoy the show. This is Danielle Prada, your host of Sip in Soma. I'm very excited to bring you today's interview. I reached out to Dr. Jed Baker, who is the director of the Social Skills Training Project. It's an organization with offices throughout New Jersey that serve individuals with autism and social communication problems. He's also a resident of Soma and a frequent consultant for our local schools and districts throughout the state. He's an award-winning author of nine books about managing anxiety and frustration, as well as teaching social skills. His work has been featured on ABC World News, Nightline, the CBS Early Show, and the Discovery Health Channel. I got to know Dr. Baker because he did an event a couple of years ago in our town, and a friend told me about it and pick up the book, No More Meltdowns. I have read that book and I've used it almost like an encyclopedia to help me with some of my challenges uh, as a parent. And I have to admit, it also helped me with some of my challenges as a teacher. I was thrilled when uh, Jed said that he would do an interview with me for Sip and Soma. I specifically wanted to talk about the challenges that children have with social communication and what he does in his groups. But I also wanted to hear his thoughts on the need for programming in our town and really everywhere to help families of children with special needs create more sensitivity in our communities and just to learn what his thoughts were about how to build acceptance, tolerance, and more connection in our community. I am so excited that we had a wonderful conversation that not only was helpful to me as an educator, um, as a parent, but also just as a community member. I'm so glad to share this information with you. If you enjoy the conversation, I hope that you'll pass it on to someone that maybe could use this information and let's just spread the word. I think that it's really helpful to hear all of the different perspectives and learn some strategies for all parents and all people. So thank you so much and enjoy the podcast. Hi everyone, Danielle Parada from Sip and Soma and I have a very special guest today, Dr. Jed Baker. He is part of the Social Skills Training Project, and we're going to talk today about kids and education, and I'm really excited. I'm really pleased that you could join me today. Oh, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for coming coming to my office and you're chatting with me. Yeah, so um, you're located down here in Springfield on Milburn Avenue, so pretty close to the Soma area, and you work with a lot of kids in our towns, our this towns. So um, tell us a little bit about your business and how you got started. Yeah, so we have something called the Social Skill Training Project. Uh, we've been around really since 1992, so quite some time. Started in Somerset, now we're in Springfield, have an office as well in Westfield, one just opening now in Bergen County, and we serve um, 
everybody with uh, either autism or other social communication difficulties, from people as young as three to 70, 80, wow. 100 we could do. <laughs> yeah. um, we provide uh, individual family therapy for sometimes behavioral issues and uh, home management issues, school consultation for challenging issues at school, and social skills training. So we do a lot of uh, groups as well, trying to sort of match peers up with, uh, with peers who might befriend each other. So sometimes we look to match people geographically, sometimes we look to match people by interest as well. So, you know, you can't force friendship, but if right. you have the right matchmaking, sometimes it, it occurs naturally. That's great. How do you um, matchmake? I mean, that sounds wonderful. Uh, well, I think, the, how do all of us make friends? I think it's based on, to some extent on common interest, uh -huh. um, common experience. Yeah. So I think when we uh, help sort of match kids with you know, similar experiences either in school mm -hmm. and similar struggles too, so they can connect with each other, yeah. um, but also similar interests, that makes uh, skills happen much easier. You know, you can't just sort of teach people skills very few kids want to come and let me learn social skills. Right, you know, right. How do I greet yeah. people? Not so interesting. But uh, if we're going to talk about Japanese anime or we're going to make some videos ourselves, that can become a vehicle for connecting with each other. So we've sort of shifted away. We still do very structured lessons in social skills, uh -huh. but we always have some vehicle to bring people together. So we have theater programs now. Um, we had a cooking program. We had a girls' group where, where we, you know, cooking was the main concept, but it, it allowed for more natural sort of conversation. When people are motivated, they learn much better. That's great. Um, I feel like this is so. I'm part of the special ed PTO in our district, and I feel like social challenges come up a lot on our Facebook site. So, um, how do people get to work with you, and how do they find you? To be honest, that cooking group sounds like something I might even want for my daughter. It sounds like an amazing idea. Well, when we have enough kids with a similar likes, we'll, we'll match the group to their interests. So if we have other cooking people, we'll do a cooking. Um, so people can access us, um, but they can call 973-313-1803. Okay, I'll put that in the show notes too. <laughs> yeah. um, but they can also go to our website. So that's social skills with an S, social skills training project. Dot com. I know that's a mouthful. Yeah. Uh, if they forget that, they can, my publisher has set up a website in my name. That's jedbaker.com. Okay. J-E-D, baker.com. Either one can get you to our clinical site. Okay. And uh, there's a one-page form we just ask people to give us so that we know sort of what you're looking for. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll call you back, set up an appointment to see how we can meet your needs. That's great. And um, I noticed on, well, I... The way I found you is that I'm part of the SOMA community, and you've come to our district to do um, some talks about, uh, well, the book that was promoted at the talk was No More Meltdowns, mm -hmm. which is one of my favorites. I just want to share that with everybody because um, I like that you talk about not only how to help our kids, but also what could be going on for us when we are trying to help yeah. our children. So what sort of advice or helpful hints could you give to a family that might be having some challenges with their child who's struggling socially? Yeah, or, or behaviorally or, yeah. you know, uh, with emotional regulation issues. Um, 
maybe I can start with some very general advice, sort of how to think about things, yeah. uh, and then maybe be very specific. Um, so I, you know, I think my approach and many people's uh, in the field who sort of deal with situations where uh, people have difficulty regulating their feelings or negotiating social situations, one really good way to think about it is to sort of shift away from a discipline approach, which for some of our kids, particularly with special needs, can make things worse, can escalate problems. For sure. Um, and and uh, instead shift towards a sort of an educational approach. Like maybe what parenting and teaching is about is not about gaining compliance, getting people to follow rules, but rather uh, helping a youngster become a good problem solver to negotiate the world. And if you come from a uh, come from that sort of place as a parent or a teacher, rather than getting into it to sort of force compliance or to become really uh, upset or anxious yourself as a caregiver when kids aren't sort of following the rules, we see we're, we have a, maybe come from a place where we have more calm and a sense that we're trying to sort of help you learn over time how to be a better problem solver. And that's not an overnight kind of thing. Absolutely. You, know, you learn skills, you learn ways to solve difficult situations by lots of repetition. And so if a youngster hasn't bought in, say, to doing their homework yet, they don't see it as part of, you know, uh, an important issue, and they'd rather yeah. play a video game, it may take some time for them to sort of own that. Uh, and it's not necessarily about forcing compliance in that moment, although sometimes that helps with rules. You gotta do a little homework before a video game. Um, but when those rule, rules get violated over and over again, uh, maybe we have to understand like what's going on for that kid modify the homework, we can kind of get them invested intrinsically in wanting to, to sort of own doing better, yeah. why, is it, why is it in their own best interest, that kind of thing. I talk to my family, because I do tutoring, I talk to my families a lot about goal setting. And when kids are upset that they're not doing well in school, they're like, well, how are you going to get there? And I'm like, what are your goals? And sometimes that helps kids start doing homework because they start realizing that that's part of reaching a goal of doing better in school. Yeah. So that sounds and well, and nobody wants to feel horrible. So if right. you're if you're uh, coming up against sort of work that's always a little bit too challenging, hasn't been properly supported or modified, uh, you know, anybody in their right mind will want to avoid that feeling, right? That feeling of, of, of shame or embarrassment or upset. So a lot of the work is not just sort of teaching kids skills, but also uh, helping both parents and teachers sort of modify work to be in the window of learning. You know, not mm. not over their heads, but not sort of boring either, but find that window where we keep moving forward. Yeah, yeah. that's great. So, so that's some general advice, I think, in just having the right mind frame. I don't have to get this kid to behave right now. I have to invest time to get them to be a better problem solver for the future. Yeah. And part of that is for all of us to be able to be chill ourselves. If we can be chill, we can help somebody else be chill. Yeah. But if we, you know, get overcome with our own anxiety and heightened concern that they're not doing what they're supposed to do and they'll never get into college and they'll, then they'll die penniless on the street, you know, then we're just going to escalate the issue. Right. Um, right. So I think no more meltdowns came from my experience too as a parent as well as a professional yeah. trying to be chill in the moments of chaos at yeah. home. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So that's some general advice, uh -huh. um, but um, there's a specific issue that I think uh, is very helpful for our families that they don't always hear 
in other places. This issue of how to generalize skills, whether you're replacing difficult behaviors, teaching people better ways to manage you know, frustrating work or not getting what you want, or you're just trying to teach them to befriend other people. Right. What, what doesn't happen enough in typical counseling sessions is sort of the transfer, the generalization of what you've learned in the session to like real life. And a very simple sort of technique is whatever we're learning to help a youngster better negotiate a situation socially or a behavioral challenge is to make a little cue card and equip teachers, parents, shadows, aides, job coaches, who's ever working with that individual with that cue card, as well as the student or learner themselves, um, so that they have a little reminder. Because what you learn Monday in a counseling session is very unlikely to apply Tuesday, right. unless you get it into somebody's sort of thinking forebrain yeah. before they get emotionally hijacked. So right. They've got to be thinking about it ahead of time. We call that priming. Yeah. So just little reminder cards, much like you and I probably wrote down that we were going to meet today. Yeah. Had we not, we might not be here. Yeah, true. <laughs> so uh, I think a very simple technique for the, the complex task of whatever it is we're working on to kind of systematize it. Yeah. Get it on paper, get people to have, you know, a set of cues and reminders. So what's like an example of a reminder card you've given to? Well, here, here's, a, here's a really good one. Uh, is working um, with an adult uh, recently. Yeah. And um, this is maybe not a perfect example of a reminder card, but just sort of priming the head. Mm -hmm. He's having a very difficult time. He's a 30-something-year-old uh, gentleman with you know some, some challenges, um, and he's working in a day program. Uh -huh. And he was having a very difficult time separating from his home, his family, yeah. after some difficult moments uh, at a different day program. Uh -huh. And he had a little, I think, PTSD from that. Yeah. And so now going to a new day program, very anxious. Yeah. And um, the idea of spending the whole day there and maybe not having access to the things that he liked uh, or the activities he enjoys was very difficult. So having just a little schedule. You're going to do these two activities, and then you go home to your parents. And if you get upset, you have your DVD of one of his favorite shows. And that little card as a reminder before you went to the day program, uh, avoided a ton of difficulty, including this young man running out into the street, oh, yeah. uh, police being called, et cetera. Oh. So um, it is uh, this kind of getting it into your forebrain mm -hmm. before the, just before the problem occurs. Yeah. So you're ready to know how to solve the problem. He was able to better tolerate a day program knowing, oh, it's only two activities when I go home. Right. And if I get, if I don't want to do this activity, I get to watch my DVD. Right. That's better problem solving than, oh, I don't like it here. I have to escape and I'll run out the door. Right. Yeah. Maybe a more typical school example um, is kids who are confronted with a difficult, say, writing task. Mm -hmm. They're, you know, writing is such a complex yeah. issue. We have a lot of kids who are struggling up a lot oh, on, our, on our website, again, our, our Facebook group, so yeah. And even if you don't have dyslexia uh, or, or even dysgraphia, uh, writing involves remembering stuff that yeah. you're supposed to write about, mm -hmm. organizing the ideas, uh, articulating it into grammatically correct sentences, mm -hmm. and then there's the motor output of the writing. So it's so many things at once. So it's very difficult for students to do, and a lot of people shut down. Yeah. 
uh, with anxiety and under the table, or they get angry, you know. Um, So a typical cue card for us is to help them generalize the skill uh, of sort of overcoming their shame about asking for help. Um, Carol Dweck makes the point in her books, Mindset for Success, that, you know, the key to success is not giving up, but being willing to ask for help. Yeah. So many kids with special needs feel ashamed about asking for help. Uh, and, and I think rightfully so. It is a difficult peer environment. And some peers do sort of look negatively upon kids. Oh, you need help. Or, you know, so we have to uh, destigmatize the process of asking for help. We have to normalize that help is how all of us get smarter. Right. And the smartest kids are the ones who ask for help in my class. Yeah. And if we can do that on a little priming card, you know, you're not supposed to know this work yet. Um, and so when you come across work you don't know, you can ask to watch, you can ask for help, you can ask for a break and come back and try it again. So the skill of trying when it's hard and willingness to ask help is something we would prime. That's great. And, and have a teacher say before the kid experiences the frustration, because once they're frustrated, right. now you have a different kid. You have the limbic system. You have what we call the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Uh, and the Incredible Hulk doesn't have a lot of skills. Right. Hulk smash, Hulk run, Hulk hide. Yes. But Dr. Banner, if you can get him into Dr. Banner brain ahead of time, they know, oh, well, I could ask for help. Right. Oh, oh, you know what? I can ask for, you know, um, I could do a spell check on this. Right. You know, I can ask for an outline. Right. So we try to get that as a cue card for teachers, for parents, for aides, before we do a difficult task. And I think that's great advice because I think we're always looking for how do we video. Uh-huh. Um, some years ago I did some video modeling lessons um, with um, what is now called Spectrum 360 okay. School in Williamsburg. Um, and most of the kids there have either autism spectrum or similar issues. So we did these videos with these kids as part of their videography program. Some of them are going to be professional videographers. But one of the lessons that people can access for free is called Trying When It's Hard. And it is just that sort of how we, instead of sort of get into this cycle of punishment with a kid when they're not doing work right. in school, how do we prep them for difficult work so they won't freak out and they can turn to help? Um, so if you go to YouTube and you either put in my name, Jed Baker, or No More Meltdowns, you'll see a series of six free YouTube videos. Oh People can gosh. access them for free. Um, and I think it demonstrates some of what I'm talking about. That's great. Thank you so much. Sure. Um, yeah, so I already I had on my list of things to talk about if you want to promote any of your books or videos, so that's a great segue right there. Um, so I'm doing something really special right now. Working with Maplewood, we're having a sensory-friendly movie event. Great. And my goal in encouraging our town and, and all towns to have these events is because I, I want to promote some inclusivity. One of the things you brought up, which is really true, is that it can be a very difficult peer environment when children with special needs are looked upon as being different or difficult, like in a negative sort of way. And one of my goals is to say, which I've messaged a lot as a teacher and still do today, that we all just, our brains all work differently. And it's just something to kind of understand and know so that when you're in a situation and somebody has an unexpected behavior, 
unexpected is a better word than judging that it's bad behavior or right. bad behavior, right? It's unexpected or, or expected. the social setting, it's unexpected. Yeah. If it was a stand-up routine, there's a lot that's expected yeah. there, but that you can't necessarily do or is unexpected in other settings. Right. So, um, yeah, sensory friendly with the event. And um, I just wondered what you think about those kinds of events and, and yeah. you know, um, how you think that they might be helpful for sure, our children. Sure. Well, I'll take a step back further. I mean, one of the key components that I write about in, in our books on social skills training, one of the key components is um, peer sensitivity. It's not, it, you know, social skills is a two-way street. It's not about getting all of our youngsters to somehow sort of fit the expected mold, but, totally. that, but, but get others to also engage and be accepting and understanding that we're all different. We all have sort of different... Uh, styles and um, so early on one of the things we would do in the schools was create you know peer programs where we would sensitize peers to all kinds of differences not just autism but right. all kinds of different gender differences gender right. fluidity etc and um, uh, and create sometimes peer buddy programs uh, where we have a, a community of peers that stand up for each other a lot of bullying teasing exclusion happens when say staff parents don't see it. A lot of it now is happening on the internet. Right. So if you have the peer community itself policing itself and say, hey, leave him alone, he's a friend of mine, you know, or just, you know, hey, don't say that to her, that's not right, she, you know, she's with me kind of thing. Um, I think it's, it, it, if you start early in the schools, you can get to a place where now you're out in the community with adults and they have their own kids and they get it, yeah. right? Um, so there is an interesting page now on go to uh, my Amazon book page, so uh, so it's Jed, I guess you go to Jed Baker on Amazon yeah. and I have a page. There are some videos from ABC News where we had done a peer program, uh, sensitizing peers, so people can see that for free too uh, on Amazon now. Uh, so, but getting back to your question about these um, sensory friendly events, it's so important for the you know, our community uh, and parents of kids with special needs to have a place where they don't have to be anxious and anticipate people's negative responses. Um, it's a safe haven where families can go and know this is an inclusive setting and if my kid gets up and runs around or, sh or shrieks during a movie or whatnot, that's, that's, ex that's okay here. That's not, right. that's not going to be, uh, there's going to be ridicule for that. That's an important uh, uh, experience, I think, for our families. So we need more of that. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, I also have kids on the spectrum who couldn't tolerate the sensory-friendly events right. because they have their own sensory issues, and if another kid gets up and screams, they have more of a difficulty with that. So it's not necessarily for everybody, right. but it's important that people have access to that yeah. so they know for once, I can go out with my family and nobody's going to give me a, a funny stare or I'm not going to have to negotiate with, you know, people not getting it or understanding it. Right. Yeah. And uh, it came out of, um, there's a great program at Paper Mill Playhouse where they have their sensory friendly right. um, events. And I'd seen them all, you know, around the area, but I really wanted to bring that to us. And we have, we do have a sensory friendly break room as well. Yeah. So there'll be a place where kids can go and just take a break and do some art. So I'm really looking forward to that. Thank you for your input on that too. I'm, I'm just um, hoping that we can build more sensitivity in our community.
important to me and also you know just make everybody feel more included in our events so well and i piggyback on that because i have a special concern now is you know i started working with little kids and then teenagers and now adults and i see everybody but in the adult world we need more and more autism friendly work environments sure of course we have we need so many more um, and uh, I think uh, in addition to sort of sensory friendly events uh, we need some kind of sensory friendly work environments mm-hmm. and there are more and more uh, sort of uh, innovators often they are parents of people with autism I have a uh, I won't use your name but uh, a neighbor of ours one day presented a wonderful specialty soap business that yes. started with her son yes. um, and we work settings yeah absolutely um, our kids are aging out and uh, you know of school and when they reach this place now they have a lifetime to develop a career or a job but we need more opportunities for them sure. because what we do here we can prepare people with skills to negotiate the world what we can't do in our clinics is manufacture opportunities right so we need more opportunities then then we can do all that we can to prepare them and we'll do right. a good job with that but we, we need them to have the possibilities of places they can uh, work in an accepted place. Totally agree. And I'm, you know, I, I'm interested, now I want to do some research about, like, is there some training created for those companies that want to be more inclusive so people know how to pre- prepare their own companies and their own employees for these? There is an organization out in Long Island who does just that. Now, they used to be called A-STEP. They may have changed their name. in the best interest to hire folks with autism uh, if they are qualified for the job. Yeah. Um, they may be the most responsible, most on-time, most hard-working uh, you know, employees they've ever had. And then they do some training on you know, how to support them so that they can you know, really succeed. Um, and, and we have sort of uh, you know, interesting data coming out from places that really go out of their way to hire people with autism. There's a uh, software company in Long Island um, uh, sort of looks to debug uh, problematic software uh-huh. and they really took a market share away from IBM and other big companies because they were hiring people primarily with autism uh, who were qualified they went through a rigorous process of screening but their folks with autism do better than sort of the typical debugging software companies wow. and just have that sort of detailed hyper focus to find exactly where there are so, uh, you know, when people sort of speak to the strengths of people with autism and other related issues, you, you, you can end up uh, with a much more profitable business. That's amazing. That, um, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, it's another thing that, and you know, just as a mom of a child who has autism and, and has worked with lots of kids in my lifetime as a teacher, it's something that I'm thinking about as time goes on more and more and that we do speak differently. So. Um, so thank you so much for talking with me today. We're gonna da- we're gonna wrap up, but I wanted to ask you about your life in Soma. Where do you like to hang out? What are some of your favorite places? I'm so glad you asked me this because <laughs> I'm now going to share a different part of my life. Um, 
which is that I've become uh, more active in the music community of late, and so I'm a jazz drummer. Oh, great. So I've been hanging out at the Cassidy because they offer a jazz brunch on Sundays. So if anybody's interested, I'll plug this, um, a gratuitous plug here, on February, Feb February 10th and March 3rd, I have, I'm playing with two different jazz uh, bands uh, on Sundays at the Cassidy, 12 to 3. So I like to hang out and support them. They have great food. Yeah. Uh, it's a really nice atmosphere. I love all the restaurants in Lake of the World. I go to Coda, I go to Arturo's, I go to the Thai place, I go to Abril Cocina, they're all delicious. And, uh, um, so you'll find me hanging out in many of those places, but, uh, but come join us for a little jazz brunch on Sundays. That sounds like a lot of fun. And um, so where can we find you? So I've, we've got your websites, we mentioned them, jedbaker.com, yeah. and we can, you have a page on Amazon, and the Social Skills Training Project is another greater website, right. um, www.com and all that. Um, and any social media places where we can find you? Well, I'm on Facebook. Okay. I do have an Instagram page, but I'm not so active. And I do, I'm on Twitter as well, but I don't tweet that often. <laughs> but Facebook, I'm pretty active. Okay, um, great. But the websites, I think, are the best place if you want to connect regarding you know, becoming a client. Yeah. Um, or if you want to access some of our uh, books, there, there, there are nine books that you can access on Amazon as well. Some of the, our events. So when I, I do a lot of speaking engagements throughout the U.S. and sometimes abroad, and so those are posted on the websites as well. Wonderful. Thank you again so much for joining me today. I'm oh, really my, excited. My pleasure. And uh, thank you all for joining me as well. And we're out. Thank you so much for joining me for that conversation with Dr. Jed Baker. I hope that it was helpful. It was a conversation I didn't even realize I needed to have. So glad I reached out to Dr. Baker and that he was very willing to come on, share some great strategies, a lot of support, and give a voice to the fact that the reason why special needs programming is so important to myself and many other families is that we're really looking for this place of inclusivity and a place where there's not the judgment that we've experienced in the past. So I hope that you will join us. Everyone will join us on Monday, February 18th for the Sensory Friendly Movie Event. It is going to be at the Woodland. We are gonna show two movies, Muppets at uh, 10 a.m. and then Muppets Most Wanted at um, 1.30 p.m. In between there will be lunch. So please make sure that you RSVP. You can find the details for that on the Facebook page and I think that it's just going to be an experience that you will enjoy immensely and it could be an experience where you learn a lot. I have to do a special shout out to Funky Fun Art who will be uh, hosting the event in the um, parlor that is our sensory friendly break space so that if you're finding there's a little ants in the pants and there needs to be a little bit of a break time and then you can go up to the parlor and have some relaxing experiences with art and I want to thank Denise Hayden for doing some awesome organization around that and I want to thank the Seton Hall students in advance who are going to be helping us with that you should follow them um, on Instagram as well all the information will be in the show notes couple of events that I want to also shout out that are coming up. Um, this coming weekend, 
the bubbly black girl sheds her chameleon skin is a show that will be at the bergdorf center for the performing arts it's in collaboration with the south orange maplewood coalition on race and is going to be presented on february 16th and 17th again look for details below on the show notes but um i am a big fan of gregory osborne and the work that he's doing around progressive theater so i really am looking forward to this event and i hope that you'll try to make it out in addition there are some other wonderful save the dates i have for you so the first one is the achieve foundation kickoff for the month-long Knights of 100 Dinners fundraiser. There's a Mardi Gras party on Friday, March 1st at the Woodland. $25 per person gets you a Cajun barbecue, um, music with the Big Mamu, and a drink ticket, um, and of course some dancing. The event is definitely gonna sell out, so get your tickets soon, and because of the generous support of Edrington, the ticket price, as I said, is only $25. Check the Eventbrite link to purchase and to find out a little bit more. And just to make a quick mention, you could hear about the Achieve Foundation on one of the old episodes. I will definitely post that in the notes as well. Another event that you need to save the date for is the following week, March 9th. Luckily, we have Mend New Jersey, an organization that helps with the food scarcity in Essex County. They help provide fresh and healthy food for 19 food pantries across Essex, Essex County, some right here in South Orange and Maplewood. So you should come out to the Green Bean Gala, which is gonna be on March 9th, 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. You can find a link for the tickets on their Instagram and their Facebook pages. Definitely follow them, and if you can't make the event, Really, there's so many other ways that you can participate and volunteer and help. They have their awesome school bus turned mobile food pantry that is all over our towns and lots of other places in Essex County. So you always have an opportunity to help. And if you want to hear more about Mend New Jersey, follow them on Instagram and Facebook. But also, I have a podcast episode with uh the most amazing woman robin peacock who is incredibly uh leaderly and amazing in terms of what she's doing for men's new jersey so definitely check that out and lastly i just want to remind you that there is a bunch of awesome events that you can always find if you look at the village green they have a great events page Maplewood and South Orange is full of so much to do. And I want to end this episode with a little love list. I am inspired by Maplewood Shop. They put out a love list on Valentine's Day. And in the spirit, I am moved to add my own. So number one, what do I love? I love splashing in puddles. With my car. On a street that is devoid of people. Because I don't want to splash people. But I do love that feeling of driving through a puddle and seeing the splashes. Number two, I love Finley Engage. They're on Springfield Avenue, musical instrument shop. And I love going there, playing music, and also have to say, I'm excited to promote the amazing event that we're gonna have on February 23rd. It's an open mic night. I'm co-hosting with Abby Cher, and I cannot wait. I hope that you're able to make it. It's going to be such a fun night out, and it's family-friendly. 
And speaking of businesses that I am so loving this week, if you check out my Instagram, I did a whole story on all the places that I love and great places to go and get some treats for your loved ones. I stopped by the bread stand today. It just opened up uh, off of Springfield Avenue and uh, down, down one of the side streets. And it is amazing. The food is amazing, the decor is amazing, and the people in there are amazing. So I hope that you get a chance to check it out. They're hot on Instagram, so definitely follow them too. Thank you so much. Um, my love knows no bounds for my last last um, list item here. And that's for you. I am so thankful that y'all are listening and sharing and following the podcast. It means the world to me that I get to do this and that I feel like it's um, helpful to you and you've told me that so much and I appreciate it and lastly the last thing on my list is I love lists lists are fun um, I hope that you have a beautiful week I hope that you have a beautiful month and you're having a beautiful 2019 thank you so much and I can't wait to hear from you on Instagram and Facebook and check out my website it's updated Thank you so much. Have a lovely day. I am out. This podcast is brought to you by myself. I develop the content, interview the folks, and put all the information on social media. Coming soon, you'll meet my new amazing interns from Seton Hall University. I'm so excited to share that news with you. And I would like to send a special shout out and thank you to my friend Russell Olish, who composed the beautiful music that you listen to at the beginning and end of the show. Thanks again. Have a great day.